only podcast that puts its money where its mouth is. I'm your host, Rich Ron, and I'm joined by two members of the collective, Donnie, D.P. Peters, and the resident moose himself, Mo Nuwara. After a 2-3 and three, Week 17, we finished 46-34-5 in the Las Vegas Super Contest, tied for 484th place with a winning percentage of 57 and a half percent. The cash in the contest ended up being 53 points. So even if we went a perfect 5-0 and going weird in week 17, we still would have missed the cash. Unfortunate that we fell just short, but happy that we rallied in the back half of the season. And this is our best finish ever. 57 and a half percent is certainly nothing to sneeze at. And I want to also congratulate the man amongst the collective that had the best record. The resident moose himself, Mo Nawara, finished 49, 33, and 3, 59.4 percent. Well done, Mo. Thanks. Um, it was a good year. I mean, I always expect to lead the collective because, you know, other than me, you guys were just, just a bunch of clowns. Didn't didn't even know how to place a bet before we started this. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm definitely proud of how we did, and uh, it was definitely fun to <laughs> start racking up those four and one weeks at the end and uh, give ourselves a sweat. I can't be, you know too mad about it but uh definitely looking back um that packers game is gonna kill you man. like i kept saying yep, that packers <laughs> game if we just stuck with the packers we would have had a, a, a more of a pulse and uh instead of going with the saints uh that week that they really should have lost outright to the browns at home it's sick too because i feel like if we entered week 17 just needing layups I think we would have landed some layups, right? Like we would have had the Texans on our card. Yeah, Texans. Texans was my top play, and uh, <clears throat> I, there definitely wouldn't have been uh, any controversy over Donnie's Bills play. And yeah, I, I think uh, we definitely could have turned out at least four and one in the last week. I mean, I definitely feel like I nailed the final week for the most part. Uh, just bricked out on that Dolphins pick, but Bonnie was heavy on the other side of that anyway, so I think we would have been in great shape. DP, a little stat padding there in Week 17, finished 3-2, and two, finished above 500. I was the only clown to finish below 500, and that's because last week I went 0-5 because I went super weird. I was clicking buttons. The Slurs did us in. The Titans did us in. I had some other weird, the, the Steelers, you guys have heard me, many of you, for multiple years, dump on the Steelers. In my right state of mind, I would never support the Steelers in that spot, but they ended up being the 31st most popular pick in the contest, and we got weird, and they didn't cover, so whatever. Brutal. DP, how you doing? Good, man. How bad is that Steelers team? They're the worst. We know this, though. I mean, that's just unbelievable. Like, we've been on this for years. No, I, I know, I know. I'm just saying that Week 17 spot, the whole Antonio Brown thing, it just, that place is a mess, man. Can't wait 
where does he go? Where does where does AB end up? Other than Fox's The Masked Singer, whatever the hell that show is. Where where's where is AB this time next year? Is he playing in the playoffs for another team? Isn't the cap hit too big for him to get traded? Well, they can trade him after June thirty first. I think. I think you can. Once you hit the summer, you can do some shenanigans, but that also restricts teams from trading draft picks because the draft have will have already happened. So they'll have to wait to get assets even further down the road. I, I think the the smartest thing for the Steelers to do is just run it back, you know, kind of just deal with it and make it work because AB's number is, I mean, easy to swallow compared to some other wide receiver numbers out there. Uh, his cap number does escalate this year, but it's still very palatable if I remember. So I think they just take the summer, let this thing smooth over. But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if AB is going to allow something like this not to fester and have adverse effects on the entire team. Ditch the coach, ditch the quarterback, keep AB, make it happen. Yeah, but I don't think it matters what coach you have and what quarterback you have. AB is always going to be a headache. That's just who he is. I mean, first Madden athlete to appear on the cover with no helmet on. Like, he's that kind of guy. He is Rod Tidwell, (laughs) you know? Playoffs. Do I have that drop? I don't know if I do. I don't. Damn it. Playoffs. We're going to look ahead to the wild card matchups this weekend. Actually, real quick, let's just put a bow on the Super Contest. Shouts to Personal Gourmet, winner of the contest. A six-sweat there on Sunday night for pigskin junkies who had the ultra sharp side, the Tennessee Titans had the Titans covered. They would have won the entire kit and caboodle. Had they pushed, they would have tied, but the Colts super public Colts ended up getting the cover junkies tied for second. So it was personal gourmet DP. I saw you doing some super contest wrap up work on sharpside.com what kind of stuff can you share with us any interesting nuggets what you got DP? yeah so i mean right off the bat you quickly mentioned a tie well personal gourmet actually held the tiebreaker so he would have won anyway um even if the tie came in uh, the tiebreaker was best record over the last three weeks um so that's only for the first place so hashtag uh, when it matters yeah hashtag <laughs> when it matters uh Personal Gourmet. His name is Eric Kahan, 44-year-old out of Irvine, California. So, uh, oh, shit, Rachel, he's my neighbor. If you want to go, you go hang out <laughs> with, with uh, the new Super Contest winner, uh, please uh, go do so. Where's he at? We need to get him on the pod. I guess he works for, I guess his name, Personal Gourmet, is because he works for a company that does like food delivery service, uh, high-end food delivery service or high-end food catering, like Personal Gourmet Cuisine or something like that. I forget forget the exact name of the company, but that's what he named uh, He named his his entry after. So, Look at that. Um, yeah, so really interesting there. Um, he's a first-timer. He's never, never played before, so... Just the fact that he got in this thing and then was able to top uh, more than 3,100 entries is uh, pretty pretty wild uh, overall. Uh, his final card of the season, Cowboys, Chiefs, Eagles, Browns, and Bears. Again, as you mentioned, 5-0. and Came up from third place to be able to take over, take over uh, first place there. And then... So Pigskin Junkies, so they have the they have the Colts. So what actually so what a what a 
push would have done for them is they ended up finishing in a tie for second place. Uh, second place originally was like 512,000 or something like that. Well, because they tied for second place, they split second and third place prizes with rush YYZ two one one two. So they actually get about hundred K less uh, than the original second place payout. Uh, and then whoever would have finished in third uh, gets a hundred K more. So, so it works out uh, for Rush YYZ. Doesn't work out so much for Pigskin Junkies, you know, who are obviously entering the contest uh, looking great. Uh, Brent Musburger, Uncle Brent, tied for 56. That's where he finished. And then James Salinas rounding again. So this guy uh, won the contest in 2015, came third the next year in 2016, didn't cash 2017, and then finished 26th this year in 2018. So three out of four years, really, really, really impressive run for uh, James Salinas. This year he was playing under the uh, the team moniker, It's All Good, Man. It is all good if you're rounding again. What a legend. Just Yes, and uh, I interviewed him, actually. That'll be dropping on SharpSide uh, this week sometime. There you go. There's also a new fun contest on SharpSide. You want to drop that nugget in before we get to the games? Let's just do all the yeah, promotion. Yeah, so... I don't know if people have heard, but the uh, so DraftKings is having the big sports betting national championship is what they're calling it. The DraftKings sports betting national championship, ten thousand dollar buy, and it's taking place over in New Jersey. So uh, Rich's uh, old stomping grounds, it's the actually great, Jersey, the great Garden State of New Jersey. Yes, where you do not have to pump your own gas. Um, so over in New Jersey, it's actually it's not taking place in Atlantic City, interestingly enough. It's actually taking place in Jersey City, which is right next to Hoboken, right next to New York City. Uh, that's the draw is that they can get it so close to New York City. Um, so $10,000 buy-in if you want to uh, buy in directly. Um, you, there's tons of qualifiers that have been going on uh, on DraftKings. Uh, one of which is done by uh, Phil Hellmuth, <laughs> you know who we get we know uh, pretty well, uh, being on the poker side of things a lot. But yeah, so 2.5 million dollars guaranteed in this contest. Uh, One million dollars guaranteed to the winner. Um, it's going to take place January 11th through 13th. Uh, again, ten thousand dollar buy-in. Really interesting format where five thousand dollars goes to the prize pool. The other five thousand dollars of your buy-in is your betting bankroll. There are some requirements. Um, throughout the throughout the contest that you have to do. But SharpSide teamed up with DraftKings, and we are giving away a $10,000 seat and a trip uh, to the event. Uh, so what you got to do is you got to download the SharpSide app. Once you download the SharpSide app, you will uh, be sent a push notification with the link to the exclusive and free DraftKings contest. Um, and then that takes place this Sunday, uh, January 6th uh, for the two NFL games that are going on that day. So it's the DraftKings DFS contest. Like if you guys play a DFS, uh, you know what that entails. And then first place is a $12,000 package to go compete in this event. Top 54 places, uh, second through 54 place. Uh, we'll get some get some cash. Uh, not too much, but hey, it's a free contest. So uh, if, uh, if you guys are good at uh, picking daily fantasy sports, I know I am not by any means. I really, really suck at it. Um, then get in there because these are free and you can win a $12,000 package to go compete in this uh, really incredible, unique, and uh, first-time event. Sharp's Side is the app. You can find it in the App Store or the Google Play Store. Go ahead and download that for your free shot in the DraftKings DFS contest for this awesome event in New Jersey. All right, on to Wild Card Weekend and a fun slate of games. The largest spread is six points, and that's the final game of the weekend, the marquee matchup, Eagles at Bears. That'll be coming to you on NBC. But every other game is a field goal or shorter. So 
the folks out west here in the desert feel like this is going to be a competitive weekend, hopefully some fun football action. And we kick things off with an AFC South matchup, the third tilt between the Colts and the Texans. It's in Houston where the home team is favored by just a single point. And this is a split contest. I have Burt's picks even though he's not on the pod. But it is Donnie's best bet, and it is on the Indianapolis Colts plus one. He is joined by Mo on this side. And just an interesting note before we dive into this game is that no member of the collective knew what the hell they were doing when picking the Colts or the Texans this season. Nobody was above 500. The best record shared amongst, uh, I believe, two or three people was 7, 8, and 1 on both the Colts and the Texans. So nobody knew anything about these teams Yet here's DP, your best bet of the week, Colts plus one. Tell me why. So uh, I need to I need to have a little bit of a disclaimer is that I have a Colts plus 10,000 ticket. Uh, so if anyone thinks that I'm just betting uh, with my heart here and the ticket that I'm holding, maybe I am. I tried to keep it objective <laughs> when going through these games, but uh, let's go Colts. Okay, so I think, uh, you know, looking at this line, I see it's a slight public road dog. I think it was about 51% when I checked it this morning, right before the podcast. Uh, but the line opened to Texans minus three, moving in the directions of Texas minus one. So is that a slight public road dog? Did the public sniff out a bad line and they're on the same shot as the Sharps? Um, that That is something that stuck out to me. Uh, both teams here, they feel a bit similar. Um, you know, the Texans and the Colts, uh, they got good young QBs. They got good defenses. Um, but I like uh, Andrew Luck over Deshaun Watson. Um, I think Deshaun Watson is uh, he's done a lot to improve this year. We didn't, you know, didn't really know so much what he was going to do coming off that injury. Uh, but I think he's done really well. Uh, I just think Andrew Luck is more of a QB for today's game. Uh, looks very good in the pocket and behind that really good offensive line. Uh, I like Mack and Hines over Miller and Blue. I like Ebron over whatever the heck plays tight end for the Houston Texans. And one of the big things that sticks out to me is I really like Frank Reich uh, over Bill O'Brien. Um, and then just breaking down the matchup when I was looking it over, you know, if Houston wants to slow down this indie offense, it's going to need to start uh, with that front seven and getting after Andrew Luck. But the problem I see there is that the Colts offensive line is really good and they're going to get that uh, center Ryan Kelly back who missed last game. Uh, against the Titans, and I also feel like the the, the Titans in a lot of ways are, are similar to the Texans. Um, not as good, uh, I don't think, but uh, the way that the Colts were able to control that game and pretty much run away with it uh, last weekend in you know what was essentially a playoff game. I mean, I know it was Week 17 of the regular season, but that was winner get it, win and get in. So you know, I believe this Colts offensive line is going to be able to tech, protect Luck uh, well enough, you know, to be able to allow him to carve up uh, this Houston Texans D, even though they do have a really good front seven. And then I'm just not so sure that uh, DeAndre Hobson's going to be, um, you know, Superman out there. I mean, I know he's really good. He's awesome. But, you know, other than that, I don't see too much of what the uh, the Texans are going to be, be able to bring to the table offensively to be able to compete with the Colts here, who have done well uh, all year long going on the road. This game is going to be uh, down in a dome in Houston. So that I think that plays to the Colts' favor. If this was outside, a uh, different story. And then end of the day, I mean, I got to take Frank Reich over Bill O'Brien when it comes down to it. I've just seen too many gaffes uh, coming out of Bill O'Brien and his camp over the years. Uh, that he's been a coach down there in Houston, and I really, really, really like what I see from Frank Reich. Man, you took all my points. <laughs> the, uh, like I said, I'm on the other side here, but uh, I'm, it's not a heavy lean for me. Um, 
the biggest matchup, like you said, is can the Texans get to the quarterback? Colts have an elite offensive line, and they're getting Ryan Kelly back. The replacement last week, I don't know the gentleman's name, but he was horrid at center. And if Ryan Kelly did not play, I would have been way heavier of a lean on the Texans because that guy. I remember you dropping in the chat like this this backup center is a liability, and then that's the first thing I checked this week when I was looking at that game. He was clueless. It was insane to watch, and it was almost like they knew they were going to steamroll the Titans and they could just give Ryan Kelly a week to rest because that guy, I don't even know how he's on an NFL roster. And then on the other side of the ball, can the Colts bend but don't break? That's the style of defense that they play, but they're not really good at anything on defense other than stopping the run, and the Texans really aren't interested in running the ball. They just want to throw the ball. So I I don't trust the Colts' secondary and I don't trust them to take advantage of the worst part of the Texans, which is their offensive line, because the Colts are 29th in sack rate. So for me, this just came down to, I think it's a market play. I think this line is short of where it needs to be. I think this should be two, maybe even two and a half. Look, the Colts have covered nine of 10, or won nine of 10 games, covering many of them along the way. They're a massive public side right now. So I just think there's some value on the Texans, but I don't love it. I'll be staying away from this game. Mo. You too clicked the Colts. It was not your best bet, but you like Indy. What you got here? Yeah. Um, Donnie took uh, everything I was going to say pretty much, yeah, to be Don, honest. Donnie just uh, scooped it all there. <laughs> yeah. This is just a game where it's kind of... I mean, this is going to be a theme for me. I think a lot of the lines are uh, quite fair right now. Um I think if you could have gotten Indy at the plus three, it hit, I think, for a little bit. You were in great shape with that. Um, I I actually, it's not not even just the lines that I think are all, I think all the totals are very close as well. Um, I don't see too much value on the card this week. Uh, this, this particular game, neither team can really defend the pass, and both QBs. I think we'll have a lot of success. So I do actually kind of like the over a little bit here. Um, I think it's sitting at 48. Uh, Yeah, when I look at the way these two teams match up, I I just have a little more confidence in Luck with his better offensive line than I do in Watson. And I think it somewhat neutralizes uh, the biggest strength, which is, you know, the front seven of Houston. Um but on the other side, there are like some concerns. Uh, you outlined a big one, which is the Colts not having much of a pass rush. Uh, additionally, it looks like their top two DNs are, if they don't play, yeah. or if they do play, the Jabal, that... the Jabal Sheard thing is weird, right? He yeah mispracticed so yesterday they might randomly, and but it could be veteran. they might not play. Yeah, exactly. And if they do play, they'll probably won't be a hundred percent. So, and then they have starting safety. Uh, Clayton Gathers also looks like he might not play. Um, I think um, a Colts teaser here is warranted. Uh, Brought up my point. So, uh, who who blows the Bears Colts teaser? Bring the Bears down to a pick. Colts up to plus seven. Who blows that teaser? Yeah, this is a good a, a good spot for that. I, I guess. I don't know. It was the was the really bad O lineman something Glowinski got like fifteen penalties. Was 
he was the he was the guard though, right? Right, but that it, was amazing. What what was happening was he was compensating for the center absolutely having no idea what was happening on the football field. I've never seen anything like it before. Yeah, I've never seen um one player get 70 yards worth of penalties in a game, I don't think, especially on the offensive line. That was amazing. But uh yeah, I I'll take the Colts um not thinking that this is any sort of a slam dunk though. Yeah, I agree. I I I don't think this card is rich with spots to be honest. Uh but it should be competitive and fun, as I said, at the top. So, Donnie with the biggest lean on this game, Colts plus one. Mo and I are on opposite sides, but not too confident. Mo's taking the point with the Colts. I'm laying the point with the Texans. Bird is also laying the point. Don't know why. But Mo and I like teasing the Colts. Get them up to plus seven with whatever side you like. I prefer Bears down to a pick. Hawks-Cowboys, this is where Mo does have a strong lean. This is his best bet. He's taking the two and a half with the Hawks. Donnie and I are also on Seattle. Bert's the only one on Dallas. Probably a little too sharp for own good for Mr. Minotti. But Mo, lead us off here. Why do you like the Hawks in this spot? Well, to be honest, even though I circled this one as my top play, I'm still not thinking there's tons of value on it. Like, I don't think this line is much more than like a point, a point and a half off. Um, and it's kind of a dead number there anyways. Uh, there's definitely some interesting matchups to look at here. I think the biggest one is going to be how the linebackers for the Cowboys can kind of contain Russell Wilson um, when it comes to uh, when he starts doing his crazy shit running around. This this linebacking core has about as much speed as you're going to find. So I think there's a chance that they can just like really bracket him a little bit and make him win this game with his arm, which worries me a little bit. Like I think overall, if you look at up and down the quality of these teams, I like the Seahawks more than... Like I guess the matchups favor Dallas a little bit is is kind of what what gives me pause here because of stuff like that, um, and also <clears throat> where Dallas, uh, where the Seahawks have gotten just so much mileage out of their running game, man. Like it it just it just makes me wonder how much of uh, Russell Wilson's incredible passing efficiency this year like he's having these games where he throws it like 18 times but it's for like 220 yards and three touchdowns how much of that efficiency is coming on the back of their play action game and their running game um i don't know uh i think we're really gonna find out here because they're gonna need to to use the pass i I just it seems unlikely they can run on dallas I, i I've been surprised that they've been getting as much mileage out of the running game as they have just because their O-line on paper is so bad. And like in pass protection, I mean, they definitely don't look great in a lot of spots, but I think that the coaching staff has done a really, really good job of um, kind of papering over uh, the weaknesses there and using the running game to like really slow down opposing pass rushes and whatnot. So if they can do that here then i really like the seahawks and think 
Um, this should maybe be like a pick em. If they can't, then Cowboys minus three could honestly be a more fair line here. Um, so I guess I'm rolling the dice and just going with what I think is the better coaching staff. Yeah, and coaching matters. definitely yep. the better quarterback. Yeah, here's the thing. So Seattle definitely having t- a ton of success uh, off of play action. I don't have the numbers to back it up, but it's one of the things I've heard Mina Kimes, ESPN, massive Seahawks fan, reference a lot. Uh, most of Seattle's success has been coming off of play action in the passing game. And beyond that, what running the ball has allowed them to do is they love slowing the game down. They're 26th in pace, and that allows their defense to recover and rally to the ball and play with tenacity pretty much every time they're on the field. My biggest thing in this game, my my concerns are the same as yours, Mo. Seattle is going iron on iron, running up against the fifth-best rush defense, according to DVOA, in Dallas. And beyond that, Dallas is third in defense-adjusted line yards. So especially that front four is playing awesome against the run. My problem is, I don't know how Dallas moves the ball. I really trust, when it comes to coaching matters, I trust the way the Seattle defense is organized, and I do not trust Dak Prescott to make the right decisions in a big spot and move the ball down the field. I don't believe that uh, Dallas will be able to just line it up and run the ball. Uh, The Hawks have an average run defense, uh, according to DVOA. They are uh, 17th, Um, so it's not like they're massive run stoppers, but I just don't think that's the way you should attack Seattle. It's never been the way you attack Seattle. You have to be aggressive and throw the ball downfield against them. And I don't know what it is, but the past couple weeks, the Cooper-Prescott connection has not been what it was when the two first linked up down in Dallas. So again, not a big lean, but I trust the the coaching staff and I do trust Russell Wilson to make a few more plays against the Cowboys. I'm also worried that so, Seattle is looking like a very public side. That That's worrisome to me. So how do you feel about under 43? Yeah, I think that's probably more interesting to me than the, the line in this game. Because honestly, aren't both teams interested in playing defense or running the ball? Like that's both teams as MO. Yeah, I could see this game being pretty slow um and uh it's a little scary because both teams are capable of like long touchdowns mainly to amari cooper on the dallas side and then the hawks uh they definitely throw throw out the occasional bomb to tyler lockett uh i i think the total is like pretty close to where it should be but i just was wondering if uh that was something you were into there yeah dallas 24th in pace so you got the 24th team in pace and the 26th team in pace two teams that love running ball and playing defense so the under could certainly be in play dpu2 clicked the hawks put a pin in this contest well uh i mean rich you mentioned how how does dallas move the ball uh starting guard xavier sula fialo i probably butchered that name but he hasn't practiced all week after hurting his ankle last week um speaking of last week can anyone answer what the hell dallas was doing yeah, like, that's another thing. What, going gangbusters what? trying to win that game. Like, I, I'm and like, barely, what are you guys doing? And barely beating the Giants. Like, <laughs> locked into the five seed. Can't go up, can't go down. You're hosting this game no matter what. Like, what are you guys doing? What? And, and now they got their starting guard hurt. I mean, now you're going to have, uh, I guess, this guy Connor Williams, who's, I mean, 
he's I guess he's played all right in what I was reading last night, but he's 21 year old um, against he's got to go against Frank Rard and uh, Jerron Reed, who have like 25 sacks this year combined. So, I mean, that to me is is a little worrisome getting getting an inexperienced 21 year old rookie out there against uh, two guys on the other side and Clark and Reed, who have just been absolutely feasting on opposing quarterbacks. Um, and then, you know, your quarterback, Dak Prescott, is rich, like you mentioned, someone that I don't trust. And especially if he's uh, under pressure, you know, Dak seems like a guy who should be more mobile than he is. Um, I think he was a little bit more mobile last year and this year he's trying to be a little bit more of a pocket passer and he's lost. Um, whether it's, it's some of that awareness that allows him to be mobile, um, you know, or just, you know, that anticipation factor that he just doesn't have anymore. Uh, I don't like it so much. Um, and then I, I really got to lean on the experience here with Seattle. You know, Pete Carroll is is going to have that team and especially that defense ready to go on offense. I mean, Russell Wilson is as experienced as they come in terms of uh, being an NFL quarterback in these playoffs. Uh, I, I sneaky like Doug Baldwin to have like a really big game here because I think that uh, – Lockett's going to be taken out by that number one QB or uh, CB for uh, Dallas. And then uh, just the experience of Doug Baldwin working with Russell Wilson over the years. I think that's going to be a really big thing. And then on the other side, you got, you got the leader in Bobby Wagner, who's been there, seen it all on defense for the Hawks. And I mean, Pete Carroll against Jason Garrett, that's a mismatch uh, like, like crazy. I think Garrett's going to just screw up too many things. And, you know, overall, I got to take the Hawks here. I really think the Hawks should just, uh, you know, coming to the point of like the, the MO of these two teams are, you know, both just line up, run the ball, and play defense. I think both these teams should just come out and try and huck the ball over the field, like be really surprising in that regard. If that's the case, uh, to kind of catch the other team, you know, off guard, put them on their heels, I trust Pete Carroll to do that more, to break the mold of what he's been doing all season, whereas I don't trust uh, Jason Garrett to do anything out of the ordinary. You know, the fact that the fact that Dallas rested, I think, two offensive linemen and Ezekiel Elliott last week, and then played all the other starters tells me that they really just want to line up in this week of the playoffs and just run the ball like 9,000 times with Zeke. Probably the way it's going to go. I mean, lining Dak up behind a backup offensive line week 17, when your playoff spot is cemented just does not make one semblance of sense to me whatsoever. And I they almost got, they almost got uh, what's his name heard on def- Vanderesh was running around there and then he got drilled. I mean, he says he's going to be okay. He just has like a shin bruise contusion, but I mean, that was scary for them for a little while. It's like, what, what are these guys doing to me? If you're going to bet on this contest, I'm just taking the Hawks money line. And then I like, I didn't even look at totals. I'm not good at totals, but I like that Mo brought it up because another thing, and it makes sense with their pace. Both of these teams are top eight in time of possession. So again, Teams that like running the ball and playing defense. This seems you gotta look at totals. There ain't shit else to look at. There's yeah, I know. There's four not spreads a, a week. There's not enough games. All right, let's go to Sunday's slate, and this is a mouthwatering matchup for Mo, who looks for every opportunity to fade Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. Chargers at Ravens. Uh, this line opened short of a field goal, but is steamed up to the three points despite the public absolutely hammering LA reverse line movement to a key number sharps are smashing the Ravens once again and once again Mo is fading Lamar Jackson what's going on here kiddo yeah this was a tough one for me um because honestly this was a game I went in really expecting to love the Chargers and then when I actually 
kind of started diving into uh, matchups and minutia of the game, I walked away thinking this line was probably pretty fair, and I have it at two and a half, honestly, even though when I initially, like, like when I first looked at every game, I just throw out a mental line, and then I start looking at stuff, and, and that's when I first 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 saw the matchups last week you know when, when they got locked in and i was like this game should be like a pick that's what i believe that the chargers are a field goal better than the ravens um that's what i believed when they first played um obviously the ravens played really well that game the chargers did not play so well um i'm th- i'm not like <clears throat> holding that game too much against the chargers the ravens needed that game way way more than the chargers did i'm not going to bury the chargers for one tough game versus a good team playing for their season. Um, but unfortunately, there are a couple of things that give me serious pause on the Chargers, and which sucks because I still have uh, a nice future uh, sweat on the Chargers here. One of them is something Jatavis Brown got hurt, uh, and it looks like... So he's out for the season. He's a guy... You guys hate. He's not very good. Um, and then it's like, so, this is always so, my so question. Rule, yeah, rule of who's backing him up if we hate him. Right. <laughs> if you're this bad, who is your backup? Um, and when I look on paper right now, it's it's something. I didn't even write down the guy's name. It's an undrafted free agent. I want to say it was a rookie undrafted free agent. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that, that worries me uh, because... You know, in, in some spots, you would be uh, fine with that if you're playing against a team that, like, maybe throws the ball downfield more or uh, you have a really good um, run-stuffing, like, D-tackles that can kind of uh, limit the exposure a little bit. But this is a team where you really need some strong linebacking facing the Ravens because they're, they're just going to run, and it's... Uh, they're just going to run, and they're going to have Lamar running. He's fast. He's elusive. He is the type of guy where you need um, you need some really athletic linebackers who can track him down uh, and and stay disciplined on assignment football. Because if you blow it, uh, he's definitely capable of like we saw last week against the. Um, the Brown, I mean, he was ripping off like 30-yard runs, and you just can't allow that. Uh, there is one guy on the Chargers that I feel would be could be quite the antidote here, and that's Derwin James. He um, could play a big role uh, in, in stopping that. So I think that'll be really interesting to see how the Chargers try to, uh, especially coming out of the fact that they've already played the Ravens. I think that's actually really big. Um a lot of teams coming into this with kind of a a blank slate or whatever, I would be a little more worried, but the Chargers should hopefully be prepared. Uh, their coaching staff has already seen this really... Because the way the Ravens play offense is really unique. I mean, there's no but it's also, nobody else. But it's also league. not unique, right? Like, you don't need to face the triple option to know what the triple option is. This is what's confusing to me. Oh, you definitely, you definitely. This is a thing in 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 unprofesh. Like, uh, 
if it's been proven over, uh, I believe that if teams have more than a week to prepare for triple option offenses, uh, any sort of option heavy offense, they just do much, 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 much better. I don't get but, it though. Uh, it just it just seems like gap assignment to me. That's all it is. Yeah, it's just assignment football. But like, if you drill everything and you have some more time, these teams do much better. And when they don't have time, they just they really struggle to stop uh, these sort of. And, and I just think you know, especially in pro football, where you just don't don't see. I mean, nobody's really approaching offensive side of the ball the way the Ravens are right now. And then the, the last thing really is the weather uh looks like some heavy winds 12 mile per hour winds in the forecast i mean it's really really obvious that this favors the ravens much more than the chargers the ravens are running the ball like something insane like two-thirds of their snaps straight out of the 1970s uh but i mean the chargers they need to pass so uh yeah a lot of factors kind of lining up, pointing at the Ravens. I still think the Chargers are the better team, though. But uh, this one's this one's unfortunately not as much value as I expected to see here. So let me give you some info on this Jatavis Brown backup, because I think you might change your tune. His name is Kyle Emanuel. He was born in Schuler, Nebraska. How close is that to Omaha, Mo? That's Skyler. Is right. he really? That's amazing. That's like definitely less than thirty minutes. So that's for sure. definitely less than thirty. Minutes. So so not only is he from Skyler, Nebraska, this dude is a legend. He won the Buck Buchanan Award at North Dakota State, where he won four straight FCS championships. He graded last year on PFF as a seventy-four scrappy white guy. I mean, he's going to be the playoff MVP, right? Something Kyle Emanuel. 74, that's not horrible. Right? Um, yeah, Skyler. I, I dated a girl from Skyler once. There you go. It's some really small town uh, <laughs> right outside of Columbus, Nebraska. Who pronounces wow, this I, Skyler? S-C-H-U-Y-L-E-R. How is that not Schuyler? It's Skyler, buddy. Trust me. Um. Man, I I don't know. I guess I haven't really been looking at the paper, but I mean, I follow the world here a lot. Why? Why isn't? Why aren't there? Where, where are the stories? Let's go. Where is? It, why isn't this guy playing ahead of Jatavis, who's consistently a fifty on PFF? The I was. This was like you were saying. This was a smash spot for me before the line move. But on the other side, anything short of a field goal, I thought the Ravens were a smash spot here at a field goal. I'm uh, a little less thrilled to bet Baltimore. And basically, it comes down to this. There's only two teams on the AFC side of the bracket that are actually built to stop the Ravens, and that's the Colts and the Texans, two really good run defenses. And smartly so. These teams in 2018 should not be built to stop the run. They should be built to stop the pass, rush the quarterback, and then have slim, quick linebackers that can cover tight ends and slot receivers and running backs if need be. These these teams are preparing themselves for 2018 football, and John Harbaugh said, screw it, let's go back to the 1950s because nobody's prepared for this. So I think the Ravens are going to be a really tough out here in the playoffs, especially if they move on and play either Kansas City or New England. Again, two teams that are just not prepared to stop what the Ravens are going to throw at them 
on offense. And then on the other side of the ball, you you mentioned the weather, but you failed to mention that this Baltimore defense is really, really good. Third inefficiency, third against the pass, sixth against the run. They love to blitz. They love to create pressure. So I, I am very intrigued by this Ravens team. They're doing something that they're they're zigging as much as possible when everybody else is zagging. But I just do not love the line movement to three. Uh, I, I also do like the Chargers a lot. Uh, I think they're the other most balanced team in the AFC, much better on offense than the Ravens. But they're doing conventional offense or 2018 conventional offense, which makes them a little easier to defend than what I think the Ravens might throw at you. But these are my two favorite teams in the AFC bracket, and I'll, I'll mention them a little bit later. Uh, at the number, don't love the game. If you can get it short of a field goal, I do love Baltimore. DP, you were also on the dog. You were with Mo on the Chargers. What do you got here? Um, so, first of all, this doesn't feel like the same old Chargers team that we've known in uh, recent years, the San Diego Chargers, who, uh, you know, seem to always be pretty soft and always crumble uh, when it matters. And and this Chargers team comes into this one uh, pretty healthy overall. Um, they've also been uh, really good on the road. They're 7-1 and one on the road this year, 5-3 and three at home. Um, their defense is really ramping up with Joey Bosa and Derwin James. I think Derwin James, like Mo mentioned earlier, could be a really big factor. Uh, in this one, just, uh, you know, knowing that uh, this one is likely going to be involved, at least from the Baltimore offensive side, uh, with Lamar Jackson just running all over the field. So what they bring to the table on defense combined with, uh, as you just mentioned, Rich, you know, they're really good 2018-2019 style offense. Uh, where they have a lot of weapons that, you know, they can throw the ball, they can run the ball. They have an experienced QB in Phillip Rivers. Um, I just really like the all-around aspect of the Chargers here. And then just being able to get this number at three, I think, is a good thing. Uh, I know a couple places, uh, one specifically is the Westgate out here in Las Vegas, still has it at two and a half. So if I'm able to get that extra half point, great. Um, and Lamar Jackson, you know, he's been really good uh, these, these uh, whatever, six or seven games. I don't know how many games it was since he's been in there in replace of Joe Flacco. Uh, he's been really good playing his style of QB. I'm just not so sure that that style of QB is going to translate to the playoffs here when, you know, I think you're going to have to put up some points to score, and I'm not so sure uh, he's going to be able to do it. So, I don't know. I got to go with Rivers here. I got to go with this offense. I got to go with this defense all on the Chargers side of the ball and just – Give me the three points here at a full field goal. I'm happy to take it. The Hunter Henry thing is interesting as well. Baltimore, 22nd defending the tight end, according to football outsiders. But can this guy really make an impact coming off an ACL, just slotting into professional football? I tend to think not. You need to get back into game speed before you just step on a field and make an impact in a playoff game. This would be Pretty unprecedented. I mean, isn't he like seven months out? Yeah, it's insane, right? Like, how is yeah, this even possible? Be... Like, you you've had ACL injuries, Mo. Like, seven months seven months in or eight months in, even if you had the best rehab possible, do you think you would trust your knee in a professional football game? Yeah, that would be the tough part, right? I mean, we've seen that uh, time and time again uh, over the years. Like, I mean, th- there's guys who. I mean, especially people like Derrick Rose. I mean, there's dudes who've taken over a year before they feel right. I mean, everyone's different, and so you you just don't know. But uh, seven months is pretty wild. Like, 
I, I was basically cleared for whatever I want in about 10 and a half months the second time I tore my ACL. But I mean, and obviously these guys have like access to the best rehab there is, but there's still mental blocks. And uh, yeah, I'd be very surprised if he was near 100% at this point. This was Brett's best bet, the Ravens, which is surprising since he's the Harger's number one homer. Would be interesting to see why he is clicking Baltimore and doing so so confidently. The final game, Eagles at Bears. Bears are a six-point favorite, and I wrote down that this is my best bet. I'm taking the dog here. The Eagles, Donnie's taking the dog as well, and Mo is on the Bears. I mentioned teasing the Bears down to a pick and liking that, so you can tell how much I'm not really enthused to have the Eagles as my best bet. As Mo said, these lines are really sharp, pretty spot on, uh, but I think this one might be a point or even a half point off. Uh, I just, there's, I understand it's Matt Nagy. I understand that this offense uh, has looked good at times, but I just don't trust Mitch Trubisky in the cold. Mo brought up weather. Conditions are not going to be great in this contest. Projected 37 degrees at kick, 13 mile-an-hour winds. Uh, I just don't trust Mitch to be a six-point favorite at home in the playoffs, especially when the team on the other side is this Philadelphia Eagles team that has been there before. The quarterback has been in tougher situations. Uh, I don't know. I just, I feel like this game is a little closer than it seems. Again, I do favor Chicago outright. I do like teasing them down to a pick, but I just think six might be a little too heavy. This game should be closer to, Five and a half, five for me. So not not a massive lean. Uh, and 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 part of that, not only just dumping on Mitch Trubisky, but the Eagles' defense seems to be turning a bit of a corner. Uh, that front seven is starting to perform a little bit better. They still rank really low, twenty sixth in adjusted sack rate. But uh, I, I see Long, I see Bennett, I see them creating pressure, and I think that's something uh, that could have a massive impact in this game. Uh, again, not in love with it, but I did click the Eagles as my best bet. It tells you more about the weekend uh, than anything. DP, like I said, you also have the dog in this spot. Give me why. Well, I mean, you mentioned the biggest thing to me is that uh, Mitch Trubitsky in a playoff game against the defending Super Bowl champs laying six points seems like a lot. Seems like a lot to overcome. I mean, I know, as you mentioned, Matt Nagy's been really good. This coach staff has been really good in putting this Bears team in a lot of really good uh, positions to win, specifically with that offense. I mean, I think the defense speaks for itself. Uh, Chicago has always leaned on its defense, and this year that defense is pretty incredible. Um, that said, it's it's the offense that worries me here. Just the fact that uh, being able to cover six points in a playoff game feels a bit much. Um, I mean, listen, the Eagles, uh, we talked about a lot in this podcast uh, in these, these more recent weeks. You know, the, the Eagles have been decimated all over the place with injuries, but they keep pulling it out. You know, I think that they just, for lack of a better term, have that playoff pedigree. They they know what it takes. They've been there before. They have Nick Foles, the guy that led them to the Super Bowl last year. 
Um, you know, he's at the helm and just too much, too many points to me. I mean, I just, I don't really understand. And then the bears, uh, 55% of the bear, uh, bets on the bears right now, lines moving the other way. Um, I've seen this line still at uh, six and a half in, in some places, but I think that it's going to drop uh, even further. It looks like it's going to drop just given the juice that's on that line. Um, so this one might even close a little bit less than six. I know it'll be harder to move off of six, but I could see a closing at five and a half or five, depending on how much money comes in uh, as the weekend goes on. But yeah, experience sits with the Eagles. I like them to be able to take them uh, at, at plus six here for sure. I think the I forgot to mention this too. The Eddie Jackson ambiguity is important as well. Eddie Jackson slot corner for the Bears. He's played really well this season. And Golden Tate getting more familiar with the offense, playing inside. And then, of course, you've got Goddard and Ertz, two tight ends that'll play in line as well. You need to have good slot coverage in order to defend the Eagles. So Eddie Jackson is going to be paramount for Chicago in this contest. Mo, it's your boy. It's Matt Nagy. You click the Bears. You've been very pro Bears this season. Tell us why you like them minus the Sixer. Yeah, you guys know I believe in the Bears. Uh, and it's, for the most part, been a, a very solid belief. Uh, the biggest thing when I look at this matchup is the fact that Philly can't run the ball at all. And in some spots that wouldn't you wouldn't pay too much for that but i firmly believe against the bears you have got to have some sort of running game because if you don't this is a nasty nasty pass rush this is as nasty of a pass rush as they come and if these guys don't have any game theory well there's there's reasons. there's there's one other thing you can do against the pass rush and that's the screen game and the eagles love a tight end screen and they love a screen to Darren Sproles. So I don't think there's no way to stop this rush. Let me rephrase that. I don't think running the ball is the only way to stop the rush. And I trust Peterson to throw some curveballs at the pass rush. I mean, it's definitely a huge red flag for me uh, where against some teams it really wouldn't be, but I just don't like the idea of subjecting, especially a quarterback with, mediocre mobility like Nick Foles. Super Bowl MVP um, Nick Foles. Come on now. Yeah, I don't think he's going to look too MVP-ish this game. Uh, and then you just look at... I, I still don't believe in Foles. I mean, you just look at the teams he's been playing. Um, Texans, Rams, Slurs. None of these teams have especially good pass defenses. Um, and I, on the other side... When Chicago's got the rock, I do believe in the scheme. I've believed in it all year. I believe in this solid offensive line. I think they can keep Trubisky clean. I think he can make enough plays here. And then, man, this Bears crowd, how drunk is this Bears crowd going to be? Been waiting for a home playoff game for many years here. Uh, the line is creeping down. That's definitely something to keep in mind. Uh, this is another game with... Uh, some bad weather in the forecast, 11 mile per hour winds here. I think that favors Chicago. Um, they definitely don't need to throw down field as much as Philly, I think, does. Um, out of see, all I that just, up, see, I, 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 I actually, I, I actually very much disagree with that point because the only Chicago. thing the Eagles they can, can run the ball a little bit, yeah, but the only thing the Eagles defense is good at is stopping the run. Their front seven's really good. 
where you beat the Eagles is by throwing against them. We've seen how bad the secondary has been all season. You need to beat yeah. the Eagles defense in the air. You cannot run against them. That cannot be your strategy. Yeah, that's definitely the biggest weakness. And I mean, I've been surprised how honestly how weak their pass rushes looked all year. Uh, you already brought it up that I mean, you're saying they've been looking better, which is which is fine. You know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you you're wrong, but at the same time, I'm looking on paper. I don't know why that would be the case. So it could be a small sample mirage, could be just the competition. I'm not really sure, but uh, when I look at this team on paper, this secondary still looks pretty horrifying. For sure, that's the biggest concern, but I think 37-degree weather, 13-mile-an-hour winds helps the secondary a lot, (laughs) you know, because I don't think Mitch is good at throwing, and I don't think Mitch is going to be good at throwing at all in those conditions so if they have to run the ball I think not only does that favor the Eagles in the game but I think it's going to keep the game low scoring and make the six points even more appealing to take for Philadelphia like this seems like what the total in this game has to be super low right it's got to be I don't know 41 that feels like what the total would be in this game I had it at 42 and it is 41 boom look at that look at the kid just nailing totals, even though that's something I never look at. All right, so what I'm gathering is that nobody's really confident about this weekend, which hopefully means these games are competitive and fun. Donnie's best bet is Colts plus one. Moe's best bet is Cowboy uh, Hawks plus two and a half. And my best bet is Bears plus, uh, Eagles plus six. Let's get some quick futures going, and I'll let Moe start us off. Moe was our season leader, the man who led the way, and his future is a game we just talked about. You like the Bears to win the Super Bowl at their current odds. What you got, Mo? Yeah, uh, first of all, my real best bet, I would say, is Let's go Colts Hawks teaser. Am I allowed to pick a teaser? Yeah, of course. I, uh, if if I, I if I am, I'm throwing that in there. Yeah, I think I think my... I like Colts Hawks and I like Colts Bears as well. Well, you could even tease that game, those games all always, right? Three teases always on both sides. I think that is a fine strategy. Um so yeah, and then and then looking futures wise, there wasn't honestly a ton that stood out to me once again unfortunately, but uh, yeah, I think the Bears a little north of 10 to 1 is a little bit interesting. We've seen what this defense can do. We've seen this team um, really compete with top competition. Uh, They just beat the piss out of the Rams. Obviously, that was kind of a pretty ideal spot at home, bad weather, California QB coming into town but uh yeah the other thing is they have the most favorable first round matchup against kind of this banged up eagles team this eagles team that basically backdoored into the playoffs so um you should at least realize a little bit of this equity and get them into the second round whereas all these other teams are pretty much in coin flips if you're not taking one of the favorites who got a buy but I don't see a ton of value in any of those teams, to be honest. So I'm going to go with the Bears. DP, you're keeping it on Sunday as well. And you like a road team 
at their current odds, even though you're holding a ticket with shorter odds, I believe. You said, I think you said you had plus 1,000 on this team, but you're saying you can find the plus 1,800 now. Why do you like the Bolts so much? Um, I mean, I, the Bolts are going to have to be able to go on the road and, and get to the Super Bowl, um, but I think they can do so just, just given what they've done all year long and proving that they can they can certainly win on the road uh, when they need to. A lot of the reasons that I talked about earlier, just I think that they are overall a really complete team, um, you know, just on offense and defense. Um, obviously, the whole Chargers kicking game thing could bite them in the ass at some point, but uh, I'm not going to hang my hat on the kicking game um, too much here. I mean, I, I just like Phillip Rivers in this offense, the weapons that he has, um, and I, I really like the defense. I think the defense is just getting better and better and better every single week, and this is the time of year when defense starts to matter again, you know, and I, I like the fact that, uh, you know, yeah, I can get them at plus 1,800 now. I, I saw that line over at Westgate, so um, – because I am holding a plus 1,000 ticket, uh, I'm probably going to get another taste on the plus 1,800. Um, you know, just <laughs> kind of double down on my investment there, uh, getting 18 to 1 now. So I really like them. I also don't mind um, the both the Colts and the Texans I see at Westgate are listed at 30 to 1, uh, plus 3,000 each. Um, I don't mind them too much. I really like the Colts, uh, you know, to be able to surprise a lot of teams in, in the playoffs. I think that there's a much different team this year overall uh, with with luck being back uh, to the luck that we kind of all expected him to be. And then, you know, just the whole Frank Reich uh, thing, you know, the way that he's coaching that team, whereas in years past, um, just the coaching staff there was just absolutely laughable and, you know, they were never going to make it anywhere. So uh, Chargers, yeah, my number one play in terms of uh, a future here and then also might take a, a little additional taste on Colts and te- uh, Texans, uh, both a 30 to one that I can see at Westgate. Yeah, I so I was really interested in matchup odds, but the ones that I found were really crap. Uh, I have a feeling that whoever wins Chargers Ravens is going to represent the AFC in the Super Bowl. That's my flaming hot take. But I I don't see any matchup odds that I like uh, with Chargers or. Ravens making the Super Bowl. You you guys have heard it many weeks now. I think the, the Saints lock it in, pencil them in. They'll be playing in Atlanta for the Super Bowl. I, I don't see an NFC team going to New Orleans and contending with them. I just I can't see it happening. So I, I think the, the Saints will be representing the NFC, but I can only get fifteen to one on matchup odds. It, it's fourteen and a half and fifteen to one for the Chargers and Ravens respectively. So I don't I don't love those. So I think I'll just fire off Colts at 30 to 1 as DP noted. Even though I picked the Texans in this game, I think they might be the sharper side. The Colts have this bend but don't break style of defense that has had success historically. I mean, look at the Patriots, that's all they that they've done in recent history is play this bend but don't break. And then they've got luck just slinging the ball around. He's made Eric Ebron look like a professional football player. He's made Marlon Mack look like, I don't know, Edrin James out there. And if they can move the rock, they should have no problem scoring on the Chiefs and the Patriots if they're able to get past the Texans. And I really trust their defense to bend but don't break. So they are definitely a live dog. And I just don't love the odds that I'm getting in this matchup. So give me Colts at 30 to one to win the Super Bowl. 
your Colts, Mo. The Colts that you've been around, you 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 got on this train. I mean, we mid season we we like this team to to maybe rally and win the division, but then the Texans went on that insane run. But the Colts, man, Frank Reich, Andrew Luck, we believe. I've always believed Luck is one of my favorite players in the league. Uh, just love that guy. Love the way he plays the game. Love his attitude. Um, and yeah, I've been on the indie train since square one. I did not have a good year this year on preseason uh, bets, but uh, Colts over wins was my easiest winner and one that I honestly feel the best about in hindsight, just like looking back, knowing how much of the right side that was. Their win total was six and a half. That was a joke. There's some weird historic stuff. I'll get you guys out of here on this note going around. I shouldn't say weird, but since 2012, no team has won a road game and gone to the Super Bowl. That seems wild, right? All number one seeds or number two seeds that hosted the conference championship. No team since 2012 has won a road game and gone to the Super Bowl. Home field matters in the playoffs. But these dogs seem kind of alive in a, in a world where in a world where defense could suddenly matter, right? Like if you look at all of the top seeds, the only top seed that has a defense with a pulse and that's kind of friendly is the Saints. Rams don't have a defense with a pulse, Chiefs don't have a defense with a pulse, Patriots don't have a defense with a pulse. But We've been told over and over again that this is when defense begins to matter. And if defense matters, I think there's a lot there could be a lot of live dogs out there. Chargers, Ravens, Colts, Seahawks, even the Cowboys. Yeah, I think everyone's drawing live almost. I mean, the only team that would truly shock me if they if they won the Super Bowl is probably the Eagles. Oh, I think the Texans would shock me too. And then maybe the Cowboys. But yeah, I mean, overall, this this year just feels really wide open. So I am I think it's going to be a fantastic playoffs. All right. Well, follow these guys on Twitter, at Donnie underscore Peters and at Mo Nuwara, N-U-W-W-A-R-A-H. Oh, for the contest. I'm glad I left this out till the hour mark. Apologies. The contest continues throughout the playoffs. Pick all four games. I will put the spread in the podcast notes, and we'll throw them up on Twitter as well using the lines that we used for this podcast. They will be static lines. If you get both games right on either day, you'll get three tickets. If you only get one game right, you'll get one ticket, and we'll do this until the Super Bowl, and then we'll give out those awesome historic jerseys. So follow at Gamble to find out more information about that. And that's the wild card show. Best of luck in your own betting ventures. Enjoy the football this weekend, and we'll chat sometime next week. Until then, peace. Out.